Luke chapter 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. This is a doctrine of the Bible believed by the people here at the Apostolic Faith at 52nd and Duke in Portland. It's been preached to us through these years. And it's a very, very serious matter. In fact, life or death hinges upon faithfulness or unfaithfulness. We'll be judged for unfaithfulness. We'll be rewarded for faithfulness. We'd rather be rewarded than judged. We'd rather hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. We'd rather hear that than to hear, Depart from me. This is the choice. So this morning, let's dwell for a while upon the teaching from the Bible of what it means to be faithful. Anything God gives us to do in his service is a privilege. If we hinge it on that and remember that, we're a lot more likely to take it seriously and to be faithful. If we think we are loaded with a duty, some unpleasant obligation that God some way lowers on our shoulders and we feel burdened because of our obligation, then we, of course, look for a chance to at least shift part of the burden to someone else, maybe drop the whole thing, or even if we bear it, we may go through our life bearing a burden that we should not have to bear because the same thing would be a light load indeed if it were considered a privilege and a calling of the Lord. All privileges, I said a moment ago, are important because they're given us of God. This goes for little things and big things. This was true in the early church when the spirit and power of God were so mightily evident that in some meetings there'd be several thousand converted at one time. Great miracles were wrought by the hand of the apostles. Great witness was made to unbelieving multitudes that God was working among his people. And even then, they understood that the little things were important as well as the big ones. Perhaps it was Peter and Paul and James and John and such men that had the responsibility of propounding the truths of God. But nevertheless, there were other things to be done and the apostles saw the Necessity of having them done right. 
in Acts chapter 6, we read an account of how they came to decide an issue because of the multiplicity of things that had to be done. The number of the disciples grew. They got to be a big group, hundreds of them. And the apostles could see that the details to be taken care of had to be delegated, had to be given to other people so that they might be done and done right and done well, but that they, the apostles, might have their time to do their other duties. So they set a pattern for us to go by as to how this should be done. They said, Wherefore, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The business of serving the tables, taking care of the widows and needy, the details that had to be done and should be done. The apostles said, Seek out seven men of honest report. Now we know that the seven men to have an honest report must know something of what they were doing. To be appointed over these details, they must be men that knew what the details were. They must have been helping with the details before this time. They couldn't have arrived that bright morning after their appointment and all of a sudden been proficient and expert in the details they were given to administer without having learned something of it already, and they were to be men that had an honest report. What is a report? What have you been doing? Where have you been? What have you been saying? Who have you been with? Have you been faithful? Have you been present? Have you been absent? Do you do a good job? Do you know your business? Are you an expert in this? Are you sloppy in your dealings? Do you have a memory or do you forget many details? Do you blame other people when things aren't just right? Do you claim the credit and give other people the blame? These are reports. And you hear them, don't you? You hear about some people who succeed and some who fail. Some who try hard and some don't try at all. Some are willing and some are unwilling. Some will start for a while and then stop. They'll get stirred up for a moment and soon cool off. These are reports. And for the Holy Ghost to choose the people to be used in God's service, God's apostles told us that we were to, they were and we are who follow, to look out men of honest report. If they had a bad report about them, they couldn't qualify for the job. If they didn't know how to do anything, what could they do now in some important assignment like this? If they hadn't been doing right all the time, would they start doing right just because they were given an appointment? Hardly. We read the scripture that says, He that's faithful in the least will be faithful in the greatest. This is what God says. It isn't a doctrine of this church only. God said this. God said, He that's faithful in the least will be faithful in something greater. So when you look for a man of good report, of honest report, look for the man who at least is faithful. 
If he isn't faithful now, he won't be better long, later on. If he doesn't start right and keep going right, he won't change. No, look for men that are of honest report. And more than that, listen. Full of the Holy Ghost. Men who are going to serve tables, who are going to help take care of the details of God's work. Those who are going to take care of details to spare the apostles their time for other things. They must be men of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost. How would they know, know how to do God's business without the agency of the Holy Spirit in them, revealing to them, helping them, enlightening them, instructing them in the things of God? The Holy Spirit takes the things of God and makes them plain, makes them clear, makes them, makes them alive to us. So if we're going to be good in the service of the Lord, we must be honest and industrious and willing and available and consecrated and we must be filled with the Holy Ghost in little things. Now this is doctrine, the Bible. The Bible says this. And more than that, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. They must know a few things and they must also know how to use their knowledge. Book learning is all important, very important at least, but it's better to learn the lesson and then have the wisdom to apply the lesson or else the head learning is only above our shoulders. But men who have honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, and they did that. They chose seven men. Two of them distinguished themselves in the service of God after a while in a way that was far beyond the call of duty that was placed upon them by this commission the apostles gave them. Philip and Stephen. The others were good men, honest men, industrious men, faithful men of good report and full of the Holy Ghost, and they were wise men. So just because they didn't turn out to be Stephen nor Philip, nor an outstanding preacher, doesn't downgrade them one bit. No, they were called of God and appointed to do their job. And as far as I know, they went on through the rest of their life doing what they ought to have done because they had a commission from the Lord to do it. And if so, if they followed out faithfully, at the end they would hear those words the Lord spake to those that day. You heard read on the parable of the talents. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. If they couldn't be Philip, if they couldn't be Stephen, at least they had their own name, their own calling, and they fulfilled that. But God used Stephen and Philip in a greater measure to do these details first and to accept the appointment gladly and willingly and to be used of God as they, as they would be. But God singularly, called them for a higher calling and, and sent them out to do other things too. Philip to preach and Stephen to preach. And Stephen became the first Christian martyr. He was stoned to death. And as Stephen was stoned to death, there stood a man holding the coat of the people who stoned that first Christian martyr and that man who had that coat over his arm and looked on as that man stood there in death and finally died. 
that man who held that held the coat of the people who threw the rocks. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was later Paul the Apostle. Stephen waiting on tables. Stephen taking care of the widow's needs. Stephen dying as a martyr. Paul, Saul of Tarsus then, his name was, saw that and later on became Paul the Apostle. Full of wisdom, honest and good report, full of the Holy Ghost. God called men, God appointed men, of course. And you and I have an appointment with God just the same way. In small details, perhaps, but important nevertheless. David was a young lad watching sheep on the hillside. When Goliath defied the armies of Israel, he came down to where the confrontation was on. God used the young man to step out in the front of the giant and finally slew him with a stone from his sling. You know the story. But before David ever had that privilege, he was a harpist, could play a harp very well. He was a brave young man. He was valiant. He was faithful. And God was with him. He had those qualifications before he came before Saul to play the harp. Saul had an evil spirit come upon him and troubled him something terrible. And they propositioned him to send for this young man, David, to play the harp. And when David played the harp, the evil spirit would leave Saul and he would be at peace with himself for a while. But even to be the harpist, he was before that, he was qualified by being a valiant man, cunning with a harp, a handsome fellow, comely man, and God was with him. What if he'd been ever so expert of the harp, but what if God had not been with him? What if he'd been ever so good, but not quite willing? He could say, well, I'll play anywhere but down at Saul's house. What if he'd said, this is going beyond all the call of duty for me to go and do this? No, 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 no. Well, no, he was faithful. He was given the privilege and he was glad he had it. He counted it a, a opportunity given him from God, so he filled the gap. And when they called him from the shepherd's field, he came down and stood in the gap, made up the hedge there, fulfilled the call by standing there to help deliver the children of Israel, their army, from all of this shame and disgrace by slaying the giant, the valiant one or the leader of the Philistines. God did that, but it all began by faithfulness and little things. He could remember, he said, when they called him there and, and said, would you go out to this giant Goliath? Saul said, you can't do that. You're but a young fellow. What, what could you do? This fellow is a warrior from his youth. He's experienced with years behind him. And you are a stripling. You came from out there herding the sheep. His own brother had said to him sneeringly, when he arrived, the older brother said to him very, very derisively, where are those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? What are you doing down here? Where are those few sheep? He inferred that, well, you aren't even qualified to keep a few sheep. But he was. He had been keeping a few sheep, and he didn't leave that hillside until he left all those sheep safely in the hands of the keeper of the sheep there. He found someone to take his place before he ever left the hillside. He didn't walk off and leave them and say, I've got something more important to do. I've got to get down this hill and down where Goliath is. No. He took care of first things first. He had a few sheep to take care of. 
and a few sheep he took care of, and he saw to it they were taken care of until other arrangements were made. And when they were, then he could go on down and stand there knowing that God was still with him. God wouldn't have been with him if he'd neglected a few sheep on the hillside. He had a duty to do that. He'd been sent there, trusted by his father and his brothers. He was a trusted individual to take care of that. He'd have walked off and said, I don't care about that. That isn't important. He'd have been alone. But because he was faithful, he was called, God was with him, and as long as God was with him, he was faithful. And we will be. If we're faithful, God will be with us. But if we become unfaithful and don't care and quit or careless or indolent about our responsibilities, if we do, God isn't with us. He can't be. God has said that he is with us as long as we're with him. But if we don't do what God says do, God isn't with us. If God says be faithful, do your duty, stand in the gap, be responsible and faithful in your assignment. If God says do this, and we back off and quit doing it, where's God? He's where he was before, right on the promise and with the promise. The command is still there, so we must be faithful in doing it. David said, I've had an experience before. Why, while I was up there watching the sheep, a lion came out and a bear to take a lamb from the flock. And God delivered that lion into my hand. He delivered me from the lion, Paul, and he delivered me from the, from the bear. And God will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. What have I got to fear against a man that I know is not of God? God helped me before with a bare animal. I know God will help me now, and he did. But oh, think of the faithfulness. God wants us to be faithful. The parable of the talents we heard read this morning teaches us that God expects faithfulness of us. He gave unto one five talents. He gave unto another two. And to one, he gave one talent. And therein lies the trouble with all too many. We back up and say, well, we, we haven't gotten much. We can't do very much anyway. It doesn't matter. It does matter, especially in a big church like this. Very easy to hide in the crowd and say, what difference does it make? Even the choir members are sometimes tempted to say, well, it doesn't matter. They won't miss me. The people in the audience, they might be tempted to say, well, I can stay home from my post of duty. What difference does it make? They won't miss me. Maybe we won't, but God does. God knows every step you take, every word you utter, every time you say, I will, every time you say, I want, every time you say, it doesn't matter, God's word comes back to you and says, it does matter, or God wouldn't appoint you in the first place. When God appointed these people, he gave them ability to do according to what the assignment was. The man who was given five, he had the capability for increasing that by five. He invested that and earned five more. The man who had two, he had enough ability to busy himself at that in the same length of time, he could increase that by two. He had that same ability. God knew their ability when he gave it to them. But the fellow had one. He went and hid it. He said, I knew there were, uh, that you were a hard man. I knew that you would gather where you didn't straw in that. So I hid it. And God said, go bring it here. The man who had the chance, commensurate with his ability, according to what he could do, God had given him the chance to use that. 
that little talent, that one talent, and he said, if you haven't used it, go get it, bring it here. He brought it to him. He gave it to the man who had five at the beginning and who earned five more. He said, give it to the man who has ten. And then the one who was unfaithful said, take him and bind him and cast him into outer darkness. This is serious business. Don't you throw away a privilege God gives you. Don't you fail in doing what God says. If God gives you one talent, don't you bury the one talent. You say, oh, but I don't have any chance to use it. Well, we know the interest rate goes up sometimes, and it also comes down. Sometimes we're able to get right in there and do something right away. Sometimes it isn't so easy. Sometimes the door doesn't open as we'd like to have it open. We might not be um, able to accomplish all we'd like to accomplish or do what we'd like to have done. We might look back and see we missed the chances, but nevertheless, don't hide your talent in a napkin and bury it somewhere because people who do that are judged for doing it. Cast into outer darkness. That means lose their soul. That means after having a, had a privilege to be of service in the Lord's work, they have just quit or slacked up or got careless or indifferent and so occupied with everything else that they can't even serve the Lord. If you're too busy in your business to serve the Lord, you better slack up on your business a while. At any cost, you better put God first. Because if you have any other God before God, where are you? Idolatry. If other things come in and wean you away from the path of rectitude and duty, where are you then? Accused, as the man was. Yes, I had it. Oh, yes, I ought to have. I knew what I ought to do, but I was busy. I, I couldn't bring myself to it. Someone else was doing it. The five-talent man, he was busy. I saw he was doing a plenty. And the fellow who had the two, he was, he was on, in there too, and he was doing his part, so I just sat by and watched. Bind him and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He that has much of him will much be required. He that has a little of him will a little be required. But at least it says a little. He that has a little will not get off with nothing. He that has heard the call of God will not be judged as the man who hadn't heard it. That one who sat in these meetings, who had his privileges to participate in the gospel work we have here, he'll not be judged by the same judgment that one will who's over somewhere in a heathen land without the light and the privilege we have. No, but when we have the light... Great is our responsibility. When we have the privilege, great is our responsibility. And always be at it. Don't say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Every time you say it doesn't matter, you're weighing the scale against yourself. Every time you become careless and, and careless and indifferent or cold or, or lukewarm, every time you do that, you're driving nails in your own spiritual coffin. But if you'll stir yourself and say, I will be faithful at least, if I'm a one-talent man, at least I'm one talent, and I'm keeping at it. And if you'll do that, who knows what your name might be? Philip, Stephen. Who knows what God might give you the chance to do? But even God can't use us unless we are usable. And we certainly aren't usable unless we're faithful. To be used in God's service, we must be, have a spiritual mind. That would mean we'd have to be saved at least. Have to know we're right with God or we aren't God's servants. So if you're saved, then you are eligible to be used. Then you'd have to be able, able to do something. 
the man who could wait on the tables, they had to be at least able to walk and to get up around and do the duty. Otherwise, God wouldn't call them to that task. Someone who isn't able to do it is not called to that task. If their physical strength won't stand it, if they can't possibly do it, then God doesn't call them to that. He calls according to their own potential and and their privilege and responsibility. So when God calls, He calls us to be at it. If He calls you to sing, He expects you to sing. Not to back up and say, I'll sing when I feel like it. That's no service to God at all. That's rebellion against God. If God's called us to sing, then we should be eligible and ready and willing. So we must be able. We must be willing. We must be available. You can't sing in the choir unless you come to church to sing. You can't sing in the choir unless you can come to practice. If we're going to have a Sunday school class, you'd have to be in Sunday school. They'd they'd choose you out of those who are in Sunday school already. They wouldn't go out and find someone who never goes to Sunday school and make him a teacher. No. If he isn't faithful in the little things and learning himself, how can he teach someone else? So if the choir members are not going to be in the choir and be there when it's time to sing, they disqualify themselves and they, they can't sing. After a while, they have to be replaced. Someone else comes to sing because when it's time for the choir to sing, they stand up with one voice and then they sing. So... In your responsibility, if you're an usher, if you help clean the church on Monday morning, whatever the case might be, just remember, God gives you a privilege and will reward you if you're faithful and will judge you if you're unfaithful. Now, unfaithfulness would imply a a consent of your will. If you had a job and can't be here Tuesday night, if you'll explain that, we'll make allowances for that. And if your job lasts too long, we'll give you some job. It won't matter if you're here or not. But if you just willfully stay away and blind yourself to the privileges, then you do nothing but, but cut off your own chances to even be usable in the church, and God will judge you in the last day for not doing what God gave you the chance to do. Are you five talents? Maybe not. Are you two? Maybe not. But at least we're one, because God gives to every man according to his ability. So let's judge ourselves by the Word. We'll be judged by the Word one day. Why not judge ourselves by it now? Say, if I'm weighed in the balance and found wanting, I want to know it now because I can balance the scale. And if we'll pray, God will help us. We're going to close now. We're going to have a season of prayer. We fight the battle and win the victory around these altars through prayer. Will you join with us? Will you you come to pray? We're going to stand and sing 317. The altar's open for prayer.